0: Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. This is Bart Carroll making the introductions, along with your hosts, Shelley Mazenoble, Trevor Kidd, and Greg Tito. In today's episode, in addition to being a writer and designer, Gary Asselford is also a Girl Scout troop leader in Southern California. He's currently in the process of organizing a badge workshop for tabletop RPGs, where scouts learn the basics of D&D 5th edition, create a character, and of course, participate in an adventure. And then, on the digital side, we speak with Tim Schwalk, Design Director at NSpace, about the continued development of Sword Coast Legends.
1: Gary, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: You're welcome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're very excited to talk to you. This is actually, um, you and I have gone back and forth on email a few times about this, and we thought... This is a really cool idea that you're doing and we want to help spread the word. Um, that's Sorry. That's great.
2: <laughs> no, I'm 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 glad to be here.
1: Great. So, I'm we can make a wild assumption here that if you're teaching D&D to Girl Scouts, you have a history with D&D. You didn't just pick it up yourself probably?
2: Oh yeah. So how, how were you no, first no, introduced? No, uh it's kind of embarrassing but back in in grade school we used to have the book fairs and they used to sell the endless quest books. Oh
1: yeah.
2: In the book fairs and I picked up a couple of those and I was so interested in the you know the monsters I went out and I saw the monster manual at a bookstore and I bought it. And from there I didn't actually play for the first time for reals until I was in 7th grade. So it's been about 30 years. Wow. Or more.
1: Good. Yeah. So when you picked up the Monster Manual, did you buy the Monster Manual, or did you did your parents buy it for you? Or, I, I'm always just curious how like somebody, uh, you know, a twelve year old goes up to their parents and says, "I want this book."
3: This one filled with monsters <laughs> and horrible things.
1: <laughs> yeah. Give me that one. I, th-
2: I think I probably begged some money out of my mother.
1: Moms are good for that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not ashamed of it. Oh no. yeah. <laughs> and, but, look, I'm what proud. Money happened? well spent. Doing you right? your there.
1: Yeah. And now look. Now, because of you... And I still have it, too. Oh, nice. Do you really?
3: That's impressive.
4: I think I, a lot of us have I, switched over. Yeah. That's super cool.
1: So now, because of you, all of these girls are going to be begging money out of their parents to buy their first monster manual.
3: All is planned. <laughs> I so, certainly hope so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, as a Girl Scout troop leader, let's talk about what you've done here. This, you have organized a badge workshop for tabletop RPGs. And now for those who may be unfamiliar with what exactly that means, can you provide us with a little bit of background on what a badge workshop is and who participates in this?
2: Sure,
0: Uh,
2: a badge workshop is an event. They usually run them as fundraisers, either for a troop or for a specific uh, charity. And they teach girls the skills they need to earn a badge, so participation is usually dictated by the level of the badge. And by level, I mean within the Girl Scouts, you've got Daisies who are the kindergarten and first graders. You've got Brownies who are second to third grade, juniors who are fourth and fifth, cadets who are sixth to eighth, seniors who are ninth to tenth, and ambassadors who are 11th to 12th. And different levels have different badges for different things, obviously. So cadets working towards a badge, say, for... uh, like cooking, would be earning a different badge than brownies who are working on a similar badge because of the, the level involved. Okay. So they're usually dictated by the, the scouts' level.
1: Okay, so and you decided just I'm going to organize a badge workshop because I think it's important for these girls to learn how to play TR, TRPGs. Where did this idea come from?
2: The idea came from a, a mini-documentary that Meredith Jacobson put out last year called D&D and G. I don't know if you've seen it, but in the f- film, they get a group of girls who have never played D&D before, and they introduce them to a group of similarly aged boys who have been playing for some time, and they record their antics, and then they ask them what they thought of the game and if they had fun. And after watching that, I said, that's really neat to, to try to you know go against gender stereotypes and get these girls involved, and they obviously had a good time. And being a Girl Scout troop leader, I see a lot of um, a lot of girls of that age and and older, and I think that role playing has been so important to me in my life. You know, the gaming. That why not you know pay it forward? Why not show people who would normally maybe never get involved how to play, and uh, show them another way to have fun.
4: What do you think they've uh, kind of learned from from being able to experience role playing? You know, the, do they get the same things out of it that you got out of it when you were a kid, or or is, is it different now in a controlled, you know, somewhat controlled environment here in the Girl Scouts? Like, have have you had any testimony from them on, on what they, they thought of it?
2: i've heard from a lot of the troop leaders that they their girls really enjoyed themselves and it was such a small slice of the day you know it was only like three hours where they they learned about gaming and what gaming was they learned about dice and they learned specific uh, aspects of the system so you know dungeons and dragons class race abilities that sort of thing and then they got to put that into practice they got to create a character and then they got to participate in an adventure and um That was the real fun part. You know, I didn't want them sitting around messing with numbers all day. I wanted them to actually get in there and -hmm. get their hands dirty. And they did. They didn't didn't hesitate at all. What Um, what adventure did you run for them? uh, I wrote an adventure for them called Two Choices. And I wanted to make sure that they had some volition. So I gave them a choice of two different adventures that they could go investigate. And... Generally, the, the, the girls chose one over the other, though one or two groups did choose the second adventure, and both adventures are interlinked, so there's there's a, behind the scenes, there's a, a connection between the two mm-hmm. that they might run into had we had enough time to do both. That's cool. I like that kind
3: of stuff. Yeah. You can even tell people, like, so if you do this again, there'll be some cool stuff you know, and all that kind of stuff, so...
4: Did you focus more on on the role playing and the choices that were being made, or did you find that the uh, you know the girls or some of them really love to you know figure out how to whack people with a sword?
2: <laughs> we went in stages, so they started out with a, a largely role playing centric. You know, they were briefed on their their missions, and they really liked getting horses. When I said you guys get some horses <laughs> from the stables, they were uh, they were really excited about that, and. That's something so my, da- my daughter
4: would totally latch on me that too. Yeah. yeah, she'd be like, "What
2: horses and a puppy? That's great! <laughs> Let's do this!" And they wanted to, you know, paint their or rather draw their horses and draw their characters. They were very into drawing their characters. Cool. Uh, one of them asked for a unicorn, and I said, "Well, I'm sorry, there's no unicorns in the stable today." Oh, <laughs> <Aww, we'll laughs> maybe have to come back. maybe next time <laughs> you might
4: be able to find a, a you know a whole. A slew of unicorns if you get to six level.
3: Yeah. <laughs> go. So I wanna go I wanna go back to this workshop because totally foreign to me. Sounds awesome. Um what topic did you cover in the workshop? I mean, can you can you walk us through that day when you were like
2: basically being like, here's the different ways you can create badges for D? Sure. Sure. Uh, the original badge was created with five different steps, and that included creating your own adventure and then DMing the adventure. Oh,
4: nice.
2: But it's that was sort of too much. You know? We didn't want the girls to get lost in the whole DMing thing. Plus, it's kind of hard to break them off into groups and have them DM for each other. So I wanted to start small. So I went with the first three criteria, which were, first of all, you learn about role-playing games, uh-huh. you know what they're about, what you do, uh, You know the benefits. The second part is you create a character. And there's some flexibility in the actual badge requirements that if you don't have access to a game system, you can still create a character. You figure out what that character looks like, you figure out what that character is, is like personally, and you create a character that you want to play. And then the third step would be to play that character in a game. And this can be a game with rules like Dungeons & Dragons, or it could be uh, just a make-believe game you're playing with the rest of your friends or your troop. Not necessarily, you know, live action, but a narrative exercise. Yeah, a little storytelling game. Yeah, yeah basically, and, and that was the whole. In in, a, in you know summed up, that's the whole of the the workshop, and the big meaty part of it was actually playing the adventure, playing their characters, exploring, you know, what we take for granted as as players. Yeah, we just do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: like I'm interested, like in what Greg was talking about. Like, what aspects were they most drawn to? Like, did they just want to talk to each other? Did they want to talk to the, the locals? Did they just want to pet their horses? Were they? Mm-hmm. Did any of them to, like just like get crazy with a sword and just <laughs> start whatever? I, I do like, everything. Well, I guess. And how how mm-hmm. old are the girls in this in the workshop? What's the age range?
2: The age range we had was uh, between juniors, which are uh, sorry, fourth to fifth grade, up until probably ninth and tenth grade. So, okay,
1: all right.
2: There were there were different troops. Um, it wasn't so much divided up by age level, though I I wasn't real comfortable bringing anybody younger than a junior in because. The attention spans, I mean, I, I have a troop of brownies, and, and their attention spans are kind of fleeting. Yeah. <laughs> no.
1: I was a brownie for about three days.
2: <laughs> There's that fleeting so attention span yeah, yeah. right there. <laughs> you just proved the rule right really there. I really
1: wanted the, the uniform. Um, and
4: to be fair, I was a Boy Scout for about that long, too. Really? Or a Cub Scout for about that long. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Same. Same.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Sorry, Gary. If this was part of my, all... my troop. Or, I know, right? My wor- if they, if they had RPG stuff in, yeah. the, in the troop, I would have totally done it. Yeah, they, we didn't do anything fun like this.
3: We just learned other skills. <laughs> yeah,
1: it was just like, oh, like, be nice to people. <laughs> <laughs> Make a fire. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> that's important. Those are all skills.
3: important skills, yes. I don't
1: want real-life survival skills. I want fantasy survival well, skills. Well, to be fair,
3: <laughs> learning this stuff about RPGs and D&D teaches you all sorts of real-life well, skills. Well,
1: that is actually true. That
3: is true. I mean, yeah, so yeah. Back, back to that same question again. Was there something that, like, like stuck out? You're looking at these kids. You, you were like, wow, that's really cool that this is how they experienced it or, or that, like, or that, they, 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 res- they responded <laughs> in, in this way.
2: What I really liked about it was that they, when they got into playing and I didn't have to so much coax them into coming out of their shells to interact with an NPC, um, and once they started rolling the dice and seeing how things worked, you could see the little gears moving and, and them thinking about things that they could do that that might not necessarily come to mind initially. Um, so, for instance, fighting some wolves, one of the, the players wanted to use her animal handling to calm one of them down. Aww. And you know, I said, that's great. Go ahead and make an animal handling check. And she did, and it worked out for her.
4: Um, I mean, she got a beast companion. and just... <laughs> right in
2: time. Yeah, <laughs> but it was it was it was that was cool. And the other part that was kind of funny was that they really liked fighting. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, they they started out kind of shy or scared of it. They didn't want to rush in, but once they got started, you couldn't hold them back. And they were they were backing each other up and and using teamwork, and that was really fun to watch.
4: That's cool. Yeah, those are awesome values that I think we, you know as longtime players we don't realize that people who are new to this it's a new thing cuz you know most games that you play as a young child are competitive right you know you're all about trying to beat everybody you're not trying to work together and the inherent mission of 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 RPGs and D&D is is to work together to to you know pursue your own goals so that's that's awesome i think that's 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 a great thing to reinforce in kids
1: i liked it so is the, is the workshop something that these girls opt into, or is it like this is what you're doing on
2: this day? It's something that you really have to schedule out. I started with my service unit, which is, uh, we're with San Diego Girl Scouts, but it's broken up into different service units based on region. So my Girl Scout service unit is the VISTA service unit, and when I had the idea to do this sort of thing, I just wanted to do it on a, like a troop-by-troop troop basis. I didn't think about doing it in a big you know, multi-DM setting. And they were really excited about it and asked me to create a badge. So I sat down and I created the badge and I did a test run with um, one of the service service unit leaders troops and her girls all had a good time, but it gave me an idea of, you know, how long is this going to take? What kind of information do they, do they need right off the bat? And how can I simplify it to make it more of a, you know, run and gun sort of thing without boring them with tiny details and once we got that worked out I had to fill out a bunch of paperwork for the event because we were charging money for this and as as part of a charity and the girls troops would sign up individually once we had the flyer posted I had to arrange for a venue we got a nice gymnasium at a church that we could play in and in the end, we had between the two groups we had to divide it up into two different groups and like a one o'clock group and a four o'clock group we had about thirty six girls total show up and play
1: that's awesome. so how did you find Dungeon masters for all of these those these groups
2: well i got I got lots of friends who came I oh. mean I'm a gamer, <laughs> so <laughs> one of my friends uh, I've known him for years and years and years back from when I was a teenager and he's He loves the DM and he could he was over, you know, falling over himself to get to to do this. And then the other guy that came is a school teacher who runs a gaming club at a high school locally. So it, it worked out really well. I had two other guys on tap in case we had more girls show up. Um yeah, that's pretty much it for the DMs. That's awesome.
4: Um, so, I mean, we get this question a lot, and it's something that you obviously have some experience with now, but it's, it's how do I get my kids into playing games and how, you know, specifically, you know, which works for boys too, but specifically girls, like how do we get them excited about it? Was there anything that you, you know, you obviously designed this program and, and, and people seem to enjoy it. Was there anything that you learned uh, that you would impart to, to parents of, the, of this day to try to get them into playing role playing games?
2: It tends to help to be simple. And especially at the beginning, because these are a lot of new concepts that they need to grasp onto. And giving them too many choices can slow things down. So you want to make sure that like for for instance, I gave them choices of the four core classes, you know, Fighter, Rogue, Cleric, and Wizard. I didn't go into barbarians or monks or bards or any of that because that's just more mechanics to introduce them to. But you give them the four basic classes and then the four basic races, which are human, dwarf, elf, and halfling. And um, it gives them a nice paradigm to, to choose from. And there was lots of variety at the table, although what? elves were very popular. I was just going to um, ask,
1: what was the most popular?
2: Elves were popular. Elves and, are awesome. Uh, were, Rogues and um, wizards, and I kind of blame the wizard thing probably on Harry Potter. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. yep, that's how I got one of my friends to play.
3: Everybody wants to do magic. It's like so you can stack stick things with a weapon, or you can do
2: magic. Yeah, I don't know.
1: Magic's pretty cool. (laughs) So were these? Oh, sorry, Gary, go on.
2: But you know, getting new players into the game,
1: Mm -hmm. I've
2: been doing that off and on for years and years because I'm a big proponent for gaming i love gaming i've loved gaming all my life well it feels like it anyway um back when i was in manufacturing i actually got a group together at the place where i worked i was a buyer a materials buyer and i got one of i got my lead and i got a girl from marketing and one of the guys from analytics and we we all stayed after work one day and, and played D and D and we went through about three or four games before that one petered out. But
4: hmm. so were there any uh, when you were running this event? Did, did any of the girls just not get it? Did they just were like, oh, this isn't my thing?
2: None of them had any problems at my tables, um, and I didn't hear anything from the other DMs about whether or not they had any troubles. It seemed like everybody knew what the score was and they knew how to how to let them. I mean, they're kids. They imagination is second nature.
1: Yeah, the role-playing, too. It's just kind of, that's what, that's what we do when we're kids. Mm-hmm. Yep.
3: Yeah.
2: yep. Since I
3: am also, like, so paranoid of getting picked on, I was picked on a lot of the kid. If you are a girl out there and you are listening to this and you don't like D&D or role-playing games, that is okay. <laughs> All right, moving on. <coughs> Sorry. The more you it's know. also okay uh, if you do like them. It's even more okay <laughs> if
2: you like them, but...
1: You should try. <laughs>
2: One other thing that you can do if you want to attract new players is show them the books. I mean, you guys have the fifth edition. The books are so beautiful and eye-catching that just opening one of those books up to a random page and showing it to somebody automatically sparks an interest. Um, I also got them each a set of their own dice. Oh. So, oh, not, you know, scary. they show up, they've got a set of dice that they can take home, and that breaks down, it's a small barrier, but it's still a barrier to entry. Yeah. And now they've got a set of dice that they can use in any game they want. Yeah,
3: That is definitely the hard thing to find if you're not used to where to go to get them, like, all the different kinds of dice. So that's smart.
1: That's a good idea. Yeah, so what are they encouraged to do once this workshop is over, they've earned their badge, then what? Do you- well, <laughs> <laughs> we hope that they're going to continue playing, but do, do they have any resources or how, what, what do you encourage them to do?
2: Well, I did provide them with access to the, uh, the basic rules you guys have posted on your website, which are a wonderful place to start. But I also had, uh, you guys were nice enough, Wizards was nice enough to send me some prize materials for the raffle at the end of the, product, the, the workshop. And so several girls went home with either beginner box sets or core sets of books. Nice. And I figure, you know, one girl in one troop gets a, a set of these books. They go home and that's their, – their entire troop can play. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. Right? Good one. Same thing
2: with beginner boxes. Uh, but I, I encourage the girls to go home and introduce other people to it. If, they're, if they like – if they had fun, show your friends how to play. You know, play with the rest of your troop mates and uh, you can create a club at school or you can create a club at a local library or you can even – Try to be a, a dungeon master.
4: Yeah, so those are that, that's the next level. Is, is yeah. yeah, I, mean, I think I, you cut out the point of them being, uh, you know, training them on dungeon masters. But you know, that's, that's the next. The next badge to, yeah, to earn. Oh, the second
3: yeah. badge. You, you have your role playing game badge, and then you have your DM badge. So yeah,
4: which is a whole another
2: yeah, thing. That's that's something I'm thinking very, very you know deeply about. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I would work it into a, a workshop format yet, but any suggestions would be appreciated.
1: We have we can there's a lot of people that actually do workshops like this yeah. in the community. So I bet I bet a lot of people would be happy to help. We could help with
3: some. we could facilitate something as I look at Shelly. Yes.
1: yes.
4: Yes. We yes. can make it happen.
3: We Shelly <laughs> can make something
1: happen. That, we'll talk. We'll yes. talk.
4: So now that this badge <laughs> is created for uh, uh, you know the San Diego troop, does that now go to all of Girl Scouts? Like can can any Girl Scout in any troop participate in this workshop?
2: The thing about badges in the Girl Scouts is there's this, a core set of official badges. And all different councils across the United States come up with their own badges. So it's, it's largely a local thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely certain what I would need to do or how popular this would need to get in order to make an official Girl Scout branded badge that would be included in curriculum across the, the, the nation. Uh, I think that that's probably a very long-term goal.
4: Well, we'll support uh, you on that. that. Yeah, Yeah, we'll do whatever (laughs) it takes.
3: All you Girl Scout troop leaders out there listening... Yeah. Make this
4: happen, right?
1: You have future Girl Scouts, Greg. That's right. right, I do, the right? they are of the right age. I
4: have two daughters, they're four and two right now, so a bit early, uh, as far as role we'll playing start goes. i saving but
1: your money for the uniforms because t- I will. My I'm, poor mother spent all that money on my brownie uniform, and I was like, <laughs> I don't like this anymore.
4: I'm busy making them right now. <laughs> I spend every night, we're uh, sewing together and learning for their sewing, ma- ma- uh, you know, marriage. <laughs> that's a together. handy one, yeah, that's
1: a handy one. I should have stuck with it but speaking <laughs> of of badges and sewing and gary you you actually designed the badge like when you say I designed the badge, you mean like like the the art you art directed you created you made the badge right
2: well i had I had some help from my wife who's a little more graphically inclined than I am, but she dug up a uh, like a public domain picture of a dragon that I really liked, and we sort of mushed it together into a PDF document, which I sent to a badge manufacturer and they had some suggestions of their own and it was, it was a big, it was a collaborative process, but Mm. in the end it really turned out, I think it really turned out well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If it's okay with you, I'd love to show a picture of it on our website. Oh sure. Okay, good. And maybe some of the pictures of, of the, the girls during the event, because it looked like just from the ones that you sent to us, it looked like they were having a really good time. And it's just really, it's good to see just a yeah. room full of girls playing D&D.
4: Yeah,
2: it is cool. So, Gary. But um, I do intend to do this, again, probably on an annual basis. And all right. I am offering it to individual troops as uh, if they want me to schedule a, ga- like a, a game day for them, just them. I'll do it.
3: That's awesome. What if, um, like, other troops or other troop leaders want to contact you about this? Is there some way they can reach out to you to, to set something up?
2: Yeah, definitely. I put up a website after the workshop. It's www.dungeonscouts.com. Nice. And I, I've posted every single piece of, um, I guess, source material that I created for this workshop. So the adventure is up there. The character sheets I used are up there. The badge requirements are there. And everything I wrote up about the, the setting, Illustra, is up as well. So... All somebody needs to do is go to that website and download that stuff, and they should be prepared as long as they know, you know, how to play D and D.
1: And this sounds like good material for anyone who really wants to teach kids how to play D and D, because you've you've made it oh, uh- pretty easy with the character sheets and the adventure and everything.
2: It's definitely something I. It, sh- it can go past Girl Scouts. The setting itself is sort of tailored to Girl Scouts and that I took bits of the Girl Scout mythology and worked it into the setting so that it wouldn't necessarily be foreign to the girls. Yeah, I think that's that's a good tip right hmm.
4: there. Well, now I want to ask, what is the Girl Scout mythology? Is there this whole secret mythology I didn't know anything about?
2: Well, no, it's not so much mythology, but the Girl Scouts were founded by Juliet Lowe and uh, so in Illustra, there's a single queen, uh, Queen Sunblade, who formed a group called the Queen's Knights, and the Queen's Knights swear the Queen's Law when they're inducted into the order. And the Queen's Law, I'm sorry, the Queen's Law is basically the Girl Scout Law, mm. with a couple of small changes. So when they, you know, they they got their characters done, and we sat down, and I explained the setting to them. I said whenever you guys, when you guys came into the Queen's Knights, you had to swear this vow. I said, you know, raise your hand and repeat after me. And I started in and once they heard it, you know, they knew it because this is something that they learn as a Girl Scout and that they're always reciting. But there were a couple of small changes that had to do with the setting towards the end. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you're, you're you're there for your sister Knights as opposed to your, you know, sister Girl Scouts. That's a really clever... All, largely cosmetic...
4: That's a really clever way to to integrate, you know, because you're already kind of you're right involved in some kind of an organized, you know, uh, scouting organization. So why not make that part of the role playing experience? That was that was really smart.
2: And the other thing I did with it was every girl had to choose a line from the law that they wanted to try to espouse with their character that game. So whether it was making the world a better place or being courageous and strong, you know, they they would write that down, and then at the end of the game, I would ask them, "So what was your line?" And how did you reflect that in the game? That's cool. That's, oh, cool. that's, that's similar very
4: good idea. to the D&D 5th uh, edition, um, you know, uh, flaws and, mm-hmm. and roles and yeah. bonds system that, that we have for character generations. Like awesome. basically that was their, uh, uh, you know, their, the part of their character background. Yeah. Yep. Very that's cool. cool.
1: Well, Gary, we want to thank you so much for talking to us about this. And I think what you're doing is a great service. And you should get a badge for this.
2: <laughs> so,
4: which we're designing right now. We've been making it. Let's go talk well, to Emmy right after this. Right like, so, Immy. Okay. <laughs> we've got some clay and some things. We're making a badge. Yeah. And we're just going to send it to you.
3: Clay.
2: Yeah, it was the first thing I came (laughs) up with. Maybe some play doh. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. whatever we can find around the house. Yeah, fair. Yeah, I got some beads and some beads I can stick on there.
4: Yeah. Some braided hair.
1: But but the sentiments there, Gary, we really do appreciate it. I think (laughs) that this is really really cool. And um, like you had mentioned, if if other people are interested in in doing this with the Girl Scouts, they can find you at DungeonScouts.com or find more information about it. Correct. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sure we'll be in touch more.
2: Yeah, we would
3: definitely in touch base about this story again, especially as yes. it as it grows and
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah, changes. every year it gets bigger and bigger. It's gonna grow from San you're like patient zero. It's yeah. San Diego. It's <laughs> gonna spread out <laughs> over to the world.
1: Well, in a few years, Greg will be taking his daughters to get their That's right. Their RPG badge.
4: Their merit badge that you have designed. I'll use your your design. Yep. That's so cool. That's yeah. so cool, Gary. All
1: right. Man, well keep us posted. We could,
2: we could meet up at a, at a con. That would be great.
3: Well, thank you very much again, Gary.
2: Thanks, guys. It's good to be here.
3: All right, Tim, thanks for joining us. Uh, Could you tell us a little bit about who you are since people out there may not know how awesome Tim is? Um, You know, just your experience in the industry, how you got to where you are, and uh, what you're doing at InSpace now.
5: Yeah, certainly. First of all, just, you know, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be talking to you guys. Uh, My name is Tim Schwach, and I guess you could say I'm an old-timer. I've been here at InSpace since 2002. I actually started as a programmer back in the day. I, uh, let's see, Mary-Kate and Ashley's Sweet 16 was my very first game. (laughs) <laughs> I was responsible for programming a bunch of the mini games on there. You probably remember them, Trevor. Like I believe you have the oh, age still game. Played he that in yeah. yeah, no, he was yeah. just talking about
4: it the other day. I may
3: yeah. I, I may have actually done some testing for a while on games, just so you know. I don't I talk about that,
4: it very right much. <laughs> that were Mary so. Kate and Ashley games?
3: Maybe. <laughs>
5: Uh, From there, I went on to Geist. Uh, I was responsible for some of the, you know, weapons and some of the bot AI. But at that point, I sort of started transitioning more into design. It was a need that we identified that we didn't really have anyone for. So I did a lot of scripting and design from there. And then I just started transitioning from other games uh, more fully into design and then even into management after that. I've been everything from a lead lead designer to senior producer here. I've even had, had project manager responsibilities on some of the Skylander games, doing schedules and budgets and all the boring stuff. <laughs> uh, and I've worked with a bunch of huge lic- licenses: Marvel, Tron, Skylanders, Dungeons and Dragons.
3: What? See, unprompted, everybody, unprompted.
5: <laughs> we even <laughs> did an original IP with Square Enix. We did a uh, Heroes of Ruin, was a an original RPG for the 3DS. And I'm currently the design director here on Sword
3: Coast Legends, working with a super talented group of designers, and I couldn't be happier. So what does that mean? You're the design director. So besides the fact that I know you work all the time, what (laughs) do you do on Sword Coast Legends?
5: So we've got a pretty big design team. There's nine other designers. And myself. So I sort of wrangle those guys, make sure we keep a cohesive vision, uh, make sure we do translate Dan Tudge's vision, the game director, uh, with everything that we're doing. You know, he can't be involved in everything. And to that extent, I can't be involved in everything. But I I do my best to keep those guys all on the same page and to make sure that we're communicating with all the other departments to just to help make sure the game is going along a, a constant path. You know, does that make sense? Oh, yeah, for sure. My days vary greatly. One day I'm playing the game all day, the next day I'm, I'm assigning bugs and giving feedback. It's just, that's one of the things I love about my job is that every day is a little bit different. There's no script for
3: it. So before I jump to some other questions, do you have any tips for how someone could get a job like yours? Where they start, what they do?
5: The only tip I can give them is, maybe be careful what you wish for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's it just, you know, if, if your interest is there, just, I didn't know I wanted to do this. I wanted to be a programmer forever. But uh, I found that's not as exciting as it sounds. Don't tell the programmers I said that. <laughs> I, I totally just, if you love totally yeah. turning you. love working with people. I'd say pursue computers, mathematics. I know that sounds nuts, but it's true, kids.
1: You can make really a career out of games now.
5: This is very true.
1: Yeah,
4: There's yeah. lots of now, gaming it just It just happened. Yeah.
1: Just now. It was like last right, week. Right now. It was like
3: last now, week. Now
5: talking to you guys. I have finally
3: arrived. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, not everybody's going to know who you are. They're going to find your Twitter account, and it's all, it's all over now, buddy.
1: We make stars here on the d podcast. <laughs> I love
2: it. That's
1: what we Sitting do. Here.
3: Also, everybody, that's Ash in the background. He's the uh, community manager uh, for circle Legends as well. Say hi ever- to everybody, Ash.
6: Hey, everybody.
5: How you guys doing? <laughs> hi, Ash. Hi, hi Ash.
6: Ash. I'm, just, I'm just here to make animal sounds and to make sure Tim doesn't say anything too crazy. All right, Tim, so uh, while I've got Everybody you, what are all the dirty, dirty an secrets
3: an in the office? He's already said, like, four crazy things. I know. It's great. It's a good time.
1: Yeah, good work, Ash. <laughs> <laughs> the programmers are coming after this poor guy. I know.
3: They got, like, pitchforks and torches.
1: Oh,
4: man. He's a monster.
3: We're going to make sure to not cut that out, just so you know. That, 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 that comment's staying. Yeah, that is, it's going to be the, the
4: headline of the article promoting this podcast.
3: Um, <laughs> so back, back to, you know, being in the office, though. So uh, last time I was there... Uh, well, the only time I've actually been down in the office. I don't want to make this sound bigger You're than it is. You're there all the time. <laughs> <Never>. <laughs> when we came down to doll. the office re- recently, uh, I heard a couple of different people talking about the D&D games in the office. Are you involved in any of those, Tim? Yes,
5: actually. So we've got a, a weekly Wednesday night game we've been doing. As you can imagine, as we get busier, it seems to happen a little bit less frequently. But I was very involved in that for the longest time. I took a brief hiatus because there was a conflict with my daughter's dance class because Aww. I'm a dad first. Nice. I had an amazing time. I've continued to have an amazing time with the game here. I play as Drox. He's a half-orc fighter. And you know what? Now that I've got you guys here, maybe you can make a ruling for me. There's a a specific point of contention between myself and our dungeon master. But I'm a 55-year-old half-orc fighter. And he tells me I can't be a 55-year-old half-orc without sacrificing some of my, my attributes, some of my stats. <laughs> to which I say, hogwash, this is a role-playing game. Let me play my role.
1: It's fantasy. Wait,
3: but, but wait, wait. It's, who's who's your DM? See. Ross. See, I'm he's not
1: – I don't
5: want to piss
3: off Ross. <laughs> oh, come uh. Because <laughs> he's, so. he's, he's making the game as well. So I will just say that the DM is generally right. But if you're going to add the, the age things, what should probably happen if he's going to do that – is that your physical stats take some kind of hit, but your mental stats will, will probably take a bonus, right? So in, in the things where they have that, you'll be like your your strength or your dex or your con might go down, but your wisdom might go up, right? Or your, your int might go up.
6: Right,
4: so you could yeah. be so, a wilier so, fighter. You could be yeah. a, a more crafty <laughs> fighter now that you're so older.
6: His orc will have an intelligence of of oh, seven. Now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just
4: saying, I'm just saying he's, he's gotten a little bit smarter. He lear- he's
3: learned a few things. You know, he knows that fire burns now. Yeah. And uh,
5: <laughs> my argument is that sure they the players handbook says orcs live to what, seventy five years old, but that's not because they're all dying of natural causes. People hate orcs. They're seeking them out and killing them. They're in battles. They're dying because they might live forever, you know, if people weren't murdering them.
3: This is true. They could be just an immortal race that really likes to fight. See it's kind of their is fault. That? I'm just gonna
5: <laughs> They do See, love I'll, I'll to fight. Ross, you sided with me. and
3: it's <laughs> Well, until he listens to the podcast, you can tell him whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the way that works. So you're, so you're, you're a half-orc. You're a fighter. Do you have any awesome stories from that game?
5: Oh, man. I do have an awesome story. So this is again. Okay. So I missed one week. I forget why. But when I came back... I'm the fighter so i'm the primary damage dealer and we've been trying to find a a magical weapon for me so i come back and they're like hey guess what tim we found a magical weapon this is fantastic and we were all really excited so i get in there for the first night and i'm rolling i'm I'm playing and ross is up there making this big deal of my magical weapon he's you know he he makes everything a bit theatrical so he's up there waving his arms around and tim strikes with his magical broadsword and lightning's coming from the sky and it's lit on fire and all this crazy stuff But he then says, but it doesn't do much damage. (laughs) So I'm not not thinking much of it until I think the second session, finally they start feeling a little bad for me. And he makes a crack that causes me to realize what's going on. I look over at Charles, who's playing an enchanter wizard. And the big thing he does is he does, no, he was an illusionist. Sorry. He he does minor illusions on everything. And it turns out they put a minor illusion on my sword to make me think it was magical (gasps) two sessions before. Yes. So I went oh. from the happiest fighter to very sad. I love but how, they, got, they got a huge kick out. I
3: love how my two compatriots are all, oh, and I'm like, heh heh hey. <laughs> <laughs> We get a big laugh out of it now, but, oh, it was, yeah.
5: You were heartbroken.
3: Hey, it hits. It hurts. Does he have a magic deep. weapon now?
5: <laughs> uh, he does have a magical weapon now.
3: And it doesn't do anything. It just kind of glows or something, right?
5: Boring. He doesn't do all the cool theatrics now. <laughs> yeah. I thought that might. But, well, you, you know, could
1: ask the wizard to. Put that effect on it again. Right, you can still yeah.
4: have
5: a minor illusion <laughs> That's, on yeah. there. Great point. I didn't even consider that.
1: I'm yeah, sure I, w- I would do that for so, my party. Yeah, totally your
4: cool. poor five intelligence orc totally was gullible <laughs> enough to go along with it, right? <laughs> Apparently, my five intelligence Anyone. human. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Anyone would have fallen
4: for it. It's true. It's uh, true. What's sure. the name? What's the name of that character? Too
5: trusting. I call uh, his name's Drox. I keep changing his last name, but I, th- I finally settled on Ledbetter. Ooh. Oh, I like it. Like he's a guitarist.
3: Yeah, exactly. Like, isn't that a...
5: (laughs) 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 I felt a little silly once Guardians came out and there was a Drax. People think I copied that, but but I had my character first. Well, before the movie, I I understand there's a comic there I wasn't familiar with. (laughs)
3: like, I guess there's these things called comics, and that's cool and (laughs) all. Spend all my time making video games,
4: so. (laughs) hate.
1: Tim, how old is your daughter?
4: My daughter is four and a half.
1: Oh, yeah. I have Mm
4: -hmm. a four-year-old daughter, too. Oh, it's a fun age. Yeah, no, they're they're super, super uh, uh, malleable. That's the best part, yeah.
1: <laughs> Enjoy it Are you getting you Are can. you getting
4: her to play video games and, and D&D? Uh, she has not played D&D yet. She
5: basically tells me what she wants to do. She's very extremely strong-willed. She's adorable, but she does play little princess games, uh, at least mobile, and I got her to play the Lego game with me on the Xbox One. Nice.
3: That's cool. We, get- we just had uh, Gary on from uh, Girl Scouts, and he yeah. designed a badge and a... And, uh, uh, a whole bunch of stuff. A workshop to show show off RPGs and D and Ds to, to these girls, and it was pretty awesome. Pretty yep. awesome story. Yeah, dude. So when she's old enough.
4: we got to get our daughters in on that. Yeah.
3: Yep. Oh, that's so. very cool. Yep. But okay, back to the game. I'm gonna start grilling you about Sorcous Legends and get all the dirty secrets. No, it's not. And
1: Ash will say no comment.
3: Exactly. We, <laughs> it's we're not,
1: over. We're gonna have a very short podcast. <laughs> you don't
3: time. have to answer that. If we do it that way. <laughs> so we'll, we'll we'll go with one of the softball questions first. Well, I think it's a softball, it's probably pretty difficult. Uh, uh, how was working on Sword Coast Legends different than what you've worked on before?
1: Especially the Mary Gage and Ashley. <laughs> 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 how is it different than Mary Cage? I and can't. Ashley? I mean, I'm having a hard time finding any differences. Yeah, I, I, don't, mean, I don't. Let's I don't, be honest. I do don't, I don't not it's exact that different. Same.
3: <laughs> so let, let, me, let, let me rephrase that, the, that then in a, in a very pointed marketing way. How is it cooler than what you've worked on before? Oh. Oh. I see what you've done there. The
1: Olsen Twins, <laughs> did you? Eh. <laughs>
3: They're a little,
1: that was a
5: while ago now. The biggest difference between this game and any other game I've ever worked on is that we're doing it without a publisher, without a proper publishing deal, which is completely liberating for us as a studio. It puts a lot more of the risk on us, of course, but so much more freedom. There's no one standing over our shoulder. There's no one saying, hey, this game has to come out right this second. Well, there's people saying that.
1: I think that's Trevor, but, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Trevor, uh,
3: yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I do see a lot of like, hey, when are we going to get that? Hey, when are we going to get that? <laughs> right.
5: But we've got a, a great partner in Digital Extremes, and they've been a huge help for us on that front. But, I mean, everything is different on this game, literally everything, because we're not working with a publisher.
3: Yeah, and like, we we do work with you guys a lot. Like, I know the guy downstairs are always talking with you guys about story or assets, and we definitely want to make sure the game's D&D, which you guys did an amazing job of making it D&D already, so Uh, you guys made that job easy.
1: I feel like we should clarify, because we do this all the time. When we say, like, the guys downstairs, like, we mean, like, the and min, sits minins, on the third floor, yeah. and we sit on the fourth floor, and we just always refer to, like, them as the guys downstairs. What do you think, we're
4: like, the Satan? We're like,
6: I <laughs> know, oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm actually coming up. I, <laughs> you know, I guys genuinely downstairs. did think you guys were talking about denizens of the abyss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I exactly.
1: mean, people have, like, a, you know, a weird just perception just about funny. what it's like to work I was talking here. about
3: all the mind players that actually control all of us and make all this stuff there happen, so. Wow. I, I just wow. refer to them as the guy downstairs, but you guys have all ruined that. We're all gonna have our minds wiped, thanks. Exactly.
5: You guys have been really, really great partners as well. We've got a standing call every week, and then we communicate through email the rest of the time. And then we get to go to shows and hang out with Trevor. That's so, always That's nice.
1: my favorite
4: part.
3: There's usually some fancy dinner, and then lots of hanging out, which yep, might be absolutely. code for something else, but I can't talk that's about. That's a euphemism.
4: No, oh. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> no comment. Can't wait for E3. Uh,
3: that will be <laughs> awesome. That will be awesome. Uh, by the way, everybody, we're going to be at E3. Uh, so, Tim. Since I know we can't get too much out of you, what's the what's the your favorite thing about the game that you have to share with people while we have you on the podcast? If there's if there's one thing that we get from you about Sarko's Legends* that you, that you get to share, what would it be?
5: just mm. give me the look. No, I
3: mean I have my favorites,
6: but I don't know what yours are. <laughs> no,
5: uh, so I've been a, a big multiplayer gamer ever since I've been playing games. But that being said, I think the single my single most favorite thing about this game, which is something we haven't really talked as much about, but it's the massive story campaign that's sort of flying under the radar with all the talk we have about DM and, and uh, a Dungeon Crawl. But we've got this huge story campaign that we're building. Uh, it's got a completely original story written by Jay. It's got an original score that just fits it perfectly. We've got tons of quest content, lots of characters, VO. It's just this really big game that's going to take people, I mean, it takes me weeks when I want to play through the entire thing to start the beginning and, and go through it. It's a, it's a huge big game. We're not announcing total numbers yet, but it's absolutely enthralling. And uh, I can't wait till we can talk a little bit more specifically about it, but that really is my favorite. Thing right now.
3: That's cool. Yeah, we've, we avoid talking about the, the main story campaign. And just so people know, like we don't call it the single player campaign a lot because you can actually play it multiplayer, right, Tim? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah.
5: You can play through the story by yourself if you want to, or you can play it with your best buds and Ash.
4: Yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> we see what you did there. Um, hey, guys. We, we, we <laughs> spent a lot of time <laughs> just refining the different system. Uh, the combat system in particular, we've done a lot of revisions of that. I think they will be pretty impressed when they see what we have uh, at E3.
3: Yeah, like I'm, I'm looking forward to the VO stuff when it gets into, because there's a lot of stuff that goes on between the companions, and, and right now the robo-voices are cool and all, but <laughs> I've, I've played the game a lot, people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, the
5: robo-voices are fantastic. I never knew you could get robo-voices with accents.
3: Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty cool. But no, I'm really looking forward to what we got at E3 and then uh, all the cool stuff we can start talking about afterwards. Um,
1: can we hear what Ash's favorite part of the game is? Or- yeah, let's
3: do it.
6: Oh man, uh, my favorite, I and mean, I, I'm a huge fan of the characters. I, I've kind of fallen in love with them. So uh, getting to kind of go through their arcs and learn about them and and uh you know kind of experience their journey as well as the player's journey is pretty awesome but uh also uh one of the things that we we have kind of announced is in um you know dungeon crawl mode one of the things that the dungeon master can do is take control over the different monsters and we have a lot of different monsters you know traditional D monsters um they look just like they do in the monster manual which is freaking awesome and then you get to actually use all their ability sets which is just amazing so not only you know do you have like this massive, robust list of skills that you can do as, as your player. Um, you can also jump into the monsters and play as them and run around the maps and wreak havoc and you know shoot stuff and it, it's just so much fun. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So yeah, those are those are my favorite things for sure.
3: Well, speaking about DMO to monsters, we've seen in the demos we've see, seen so far, we've seen you know like drow and spiders and traps. Are there any other kind of monster Sets or monsters you guys can uh, can uh, share with us today?
5: Well, of course.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that you should share with us?
3: Yeah. <laughs> that we're allowed to talk about today?
5: <laughs> there, are just, there are tons of different monsters in the yeah. game. Um, I'm probably a big fan. I don't know if I had a favorite, but I, I love playing against the Durgar. Um, if you're familiar with them, you know they have a special ability whenever they enter combat that I'm not going to spoil, although your fans know exactly what I'm talking about. They they can grow larger, and that's the first time you see that happen, it's, it's pretty impressive when you're fighting. Um, oh, our demon models are all going in finally, and I was fighting a vrock this morning. Those things are, are awesome. They're really amazing. Cool. Nice. Every day, giant humanoid vulture. <laughs> <laughs> that's
3: my day. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just I, gonna I'm just gonna fight this all day.
1: That's just it. Just makes me laugh. Like the things that make sense in the context of our jobs, but like just saying like that's what I did this morning. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this morning I was you know, just fighting, talking about a vrock finding this demon. i was just vrocking out.
5: <laughs> People <laughs> would take seriously if they T-shirt. knew this is the conversations we have all day.
3: So how does selecting monsters and using them currently work in DMO? Do you like pick a set and then like there's a whole bunch of different things in that set? Like we're talking about with the Drogir or the Drow and stuff like that? Or can you like pick them piece by piece? Uh, how, how's I, It's been a while since I've done it and when I did it, I think there were sets, but I don't remember how it is now.
5: No, you're exactly right. You basically choose sets that you want to match to a specific area. And then uh, the set can be anything from a, a goblin set that has all different varieties of goblins. Or it could be a more varied set like say beasts, which might have uh, bears and wolves and other unnamed beasts within it. So you have some control that way. Um, there may be additional customization you can do as a Dungeon Master that maybe we'll talk about at E3.
4: Perhaps. Yeah.
1: Those
3: are, those are pretty strong Perhaps. maybes, people, just so you know. Well, I'm committal, Ash.
1: <laughs> how, are the, how are the rest of us going to know what you guys are talking about at E3?
3: Uh, we will probably have a recap either on, on our site or their site or both. Mm-hmm.
1: And right. there
4: will be a myriad of, of media people who will be disseminating that information. Mm-hmm. That's uh, looking a- at you, a- Tito. A- That's
1: right.
3: AKA a- me.
4: <laughs> oh, are you not going, Tina? No, he is. But I'm gonna be
3: the one that's gonna be doing all the tweets and social stuff while, while Greg is doing all the, all the all the other things. There's that for sure.
4: Yeah. Yeah. But you know, well, the part, the point of E3 is to talk to media, and then yeah. the media will be writing their articles about right. it. So, oh yes, it's right. his job to make sure they write the articles. Yeah, it's it's exactly. Yes. It's my job to make sure that yes. people aren't
3: there, get tweets and cool pictures.
4: So you guys are ramping up for 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 this big uh, electronic entertainment expo, uh, which is happening in June. Uh, so uh, what kind of preparations are you guys getting ready for that?
5: Well, we are, yeah, you're exactly right. We are ramping up for that. We're, we're starting to push pretty hard because we've got an idea of what we want to show, and I think it's going to blow people away. So uh, we're just we're working toward that. We're polishing some stuff, adding in some new stuff, and uh, just reviewing it all the time and playing it. But uh, we're really excited because this is the first time we'll be part of the Wizards booth, of course. That's not a secret, is it?
4: No, no, yeah. not at all. Not anymore. Not <laughs> all <right. laughs> out.
5: No, but we're, we're thrilled to we're be in the booth with post. you guys. And we're just
6: pushing really hard right now to make sure it's something... That's going to impress.
4: Nice. Yeah, I so don't cute. think
5: we've
6: officially announced E3 on our end yet, but it's like widely known now. I think people have been like tweeting about it. Yeah. There's, you know, different periodicals have us being there, so I don't think it's much of a secret. I'm
3: certain by, <laughs> I'm certain by the time the podcast goes up, we'll all be fine. Yeah.
4: You, you guys yeah. got the scoop. Yeah. No. It's it's. It, I I think it would be crazy not to be at E3. Yes. Absolutely.
3: Especially with this. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's
4: it's. I'm. There's just going to be a lot going on there. So, can you be a little bit more specific about how you're going to blow people's (laughs) minds, though? That's what I want to. I mean, are there going to be explosions? Uh, Are you thinking about, you know, throwing some oil flasks onto uh, unsuspecting media members? Is there going to be a guitar that shoots fire? Is there going to be a guitar that shoots fire?
1: T-shirt cannon.
4: A t-shirt cannon,
1: point blank. (laughs) (laughs) How big is that booth anyway? Okay, so wait a minute. Wait a minute. (laughs) It's huge.
3: I think people are going to be disappointed because we don't have any of those things. <laughs> Let's be careful here. We're just spitballing.
5: <laughs> We're not bringing the power techniques. P- perhaps you guys can supply that. To talk- I, oh, I, I yeah, totally. Be- I will confirm, though, that we will finally actually be talking about and showing off DM campaign creation. That will be our focus.
3: That's huge. Nice. That's the thing I wanted to talk about since we t- announced the game. So I'm like, oh, my God, can we talk
1: about this, please? It's going to be
4: cool. <laughs> Uh, as far as Pyrotechnics goes, it's just going to be me in the corner with a lighter, just yeah. so we're clear. <laughs> but,
1: but the lighter app on your phone. The lighter
4: <laughs> app on my phone, right, because that would be dangerous. Yeah, we're Otherwise, not really going to have
1: fire. We're not
4: though. up to code. No.
3: <laughs> and when we talk about campaign mode, I mean, this has been said by Dan and other stuff in the, in the past, and it's out there already. But if you want to have it all in one podcast, we're talking about your ability to, to build encounters that build out, you know, a, a campaign that's not just I go fight some monsters, right? There's all sorts of other options in there that go along to uh, making an adventure. And the guys over on Sword Coast are, are making that happen. So details, details, details.
5: I can't say too much, but I can't say we were reviewing it yesterday. And I was actually the guy on the computer, you know, going through everything while we we're talking about it. And at one point, I sort of lost track of the meeting because I got lost in the The tools I was playing with, I wish
6: I could be more specific. You did mention on on our Twitch stream that you did create a magical polar bear once, so you can repeat that story because it's pretty good. I did. Did I I, I say that? Yeah, you did. You're good. I mean, you can't get in trouble twice for the same thing.
1: It's like like double jeopardy.
5: Once it's been said, yeah, double jeopardy. Perfect. Now, you can. You might have some influence over specific creatures as well.
4: (laughs) Wow. Like Like a polar
5: bear.
3: Like a polar bear. That's magic. No,
1: oh, all polar awesome. bears are magic, aren't
3: yeah, they? Nice. Yeah, if they're, they're on an
4: island. <laughs> oh, <yeah.
3: laughs> Mr. Ross. And we'll make sure everybody gets all, all the hotness
1: when yes. we're at E3.
4: And we'll, we'll make sure that we share. What
1: are the dates
4: share... for E3 again? July, June 16th, 17th,
1: and 18th. Okay, so yeah. just a reminder, you're going to really want to pay attention to D&D, Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, and,
3: and so Sword Coast is, is at Sword Coast on, on Twitter. You definitely want to pay attention to them as well. And then, of course, you should know ours by now, but it's Wizards underscore D&D. So we will be we'll be posting stuff up for that's sure. A,
4: that's Ash's job. He'll be posting all of our pictures. There, Yeah, post. You're going to sit there and hit retweet, retweet, retweet.
3: <laughs> I'm just going to walk around and check out cool Brian, stuff Brian, and like our,
4: our, our, <laughs> social media secrets
6: here <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor, Trevor, wake me up when you tweet something, okay? <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll we'll
1: you guys can just we'll nudge each buddy. other. Wake me your up turn. before you go-go. It's your turn to tweet something. Well,
3: guys, I could keep you on here all day and talk, but we should probably wrap this up. Aww. Is there anything else you guys want to point people at or, or mention before we uh, say goodbye?
1: Or any other animal noise Ash. <laughs> he was doing good animal noises before. He really
4: was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Was that a goat or a
1: sheep?
6: <laughs> we, we have a very rural uh, studio here, <laughs> so that was just uh, an animal outside the window. Everyone comes to Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> we do our own foley for the game, by the way. <laughs> Ash and I. <laughs> the
5: best
4: foley artist ever.
5: No, just uh, we appreciate all the support people are giving us. Uh, we, love, we love the fans on Twitter, on the forums. Um, no matter what your feedback, keep keep bringing it to us. We're, we're super excited about the game, and we're extremely passionate about it, as we know you guys are. And you guys uh, at WOTC, we sure appreciate all the support you guys are giving us, too. Oh, no, you, so, guys, wow, man.
4: you
3: guys are part of the family. It's, it's pretty pretty easy and awesome hanging out with you. And we're right. super
4: excited about what you guys are, are, are yeah. bringing to the D&D. You know, just being able to do DM mode and things like that. It's something that I think a lot of uh, gamers have always wanted to see, which is that transition from uh, the fun of a tabletop game to a digital space. I'm mm-hmm. really excited about that. Cool. So thank you guys for 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 all the work you're doing there. I do
3: actually want to take advantage of Ash while he's here. So if you guys pre-order the game out there in in podcast land, if you pre-order the game, uh, you get access to a certain certain, uh, thing in the forums, right, Ash?
6: Yeah, so uh, if you pre-order the game and you get one of the collector's editions, you get access to the Design Council, which is a a pretty cool initiative. What we're doing is uh, giving people the chance to kind of have a, a, a more intimate relationship with a development team, so right now they're actually uh, constructing a weapon from scratch, so they actually selected if they wanted to build a sword or a hammer, um, they decided the properties and they decided to build a psychic weapon, and now they're actually in the naming process and creating the actual lore for the weapon, which is actually all going through you guys as well to make sure that it's, you know, that it's acceptable. And then once it's all uh, once it's all said and done, we're actually going to have our guys uh, implemented into the game. We're doing that with several different items, and uh, they actually voted on the Belafoss statue, which statue was going to go into production, and they have access to like developer chats and a lot of really neat stuff. And it you know it may just seem like a footnote in the things that you get for one of the collector's editions, but it actually is something that is uh, really valuable. And as a a fan of rpgs in general uh i you know i would pay a ton of money <laughs> to participate in something like this so it is it is actually really cool
3: yeah it's pretty cool i wanted to bring it up so if you're if you're a fan you're thinking about getting the game you haven't yet you want a chance to influence the game or talk with the developers this is this is the way to go it's That's it's really been pretty cool, cool being able to stick my head in there and be like this is some cool stuff they're doing so yeah. i did want to get that in sorry sorry i plugged no your worries, game guys yeah. Yeah.
1: no no worry <laughs> how dare <laughs> you <laughs>
3: But all right. Della Foss is angry. <laughs> Tim and Ash, thank you for joining <laughs> us. It's been awesome. We'll have, to, we'll have to do this again <laughs> soon. We'll probably uh, actually try to do one of these after E3, too, so we can yeah. see, see how many of you guys we can get all in one or, podcast. Or during. And yeah. spoil everything. We, we won't be busy. <laughs> yeah, we won't be doing anything at e <laughs> But no, <laughs> thanks again, guys. It's been awesome. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate yeah. the time. Thank you. Thank you. We'll cool. Talk to you guys. Later.
0: As always, thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons podcast. You can find out more about Gary Asselford on his website, DungeonsScouts.com. And look for Sword Coast Legends later this year, available for pre-order now on Steam. Of course, you can download the Dungeons & Dragons podcast from the D&D website under the media section, or subscribe directly from iTunes.